Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. Well, I can only stand on the word of God because that's all I have. I have the truth. And we're going to bring the truth, we're going to preach the truth, and we're going to do it in love, but we will not placate the world. It never works out well. Note here that Jesus came to the sheepfold that was being guarded by the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the shepherd, so to speak, or the porter of the sheep, of God's sheep. And God had had enough. And Jesus calls out to them, and he points them out. They're wolves, actually. Jesus wanted to lead them out of bondage, out of the law, and into freedom. So he took his flock. Now, there's an analogy here that the flock is the church. I'm looking at the flock. I'm one of you. This is the, this is, we're God's sheep. This is the pen that we're in this morning together to worship the shepherd. This is not a good time to wander out of the pen and into the wilderness, by the way. Jesus said very clearly, and the, the Word of God in Hebrew says, hey, don't wander off right now, especially as you see that great day approaching when things are going to get really hard, things are going to get really hot and heated, and they are. Stay close to the sheep. Stay close to the shepherd. Stay close to the church. Continue to worship God. Continue to, to ruminate on truth. Don't wander away into the wilderness right now. There's too many wolves out there. Jesus is the door of salvation, and there's no other way. We don't apologize for that. It is a simple fact that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus is the only way to his Father. Word picture number two, Jesus as the good shepherd. Here we see number two, Jesus as the good shepherd. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. Now, this is the uh, number four of seven claims, the I am statement. Uh, you may remember from last year, Jesus is going to say I am seven times in John. And when he uses uh, those two words together, it's clear he's saying, I am God. And this freaked out the Pharisees. You can't say that. And, but he does. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling... He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my own life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. Here Jesus continues to contrast himself with the false teachers, the Pharisees. First, he called them thieves and robbers. Now he refers to them as hirelings, 
who abandon the sheep when they need the shepherd most. Why? Because things are getting risky. Oh, there's no money here. Uh-oh, here comes some, you know, the, here come the, the wolves. I better get out of here. Instead of protecting the sheep, they take off running because they're cowards, and they're only in it for the money and the fame. They do not truly care for God's people. While the hirelings run away, Jesus gives us four tra- traits of the good shepherd. What is a good shepherd? What is he made of? Well, Jesus tells us. Trait number one in your notes. A good shepherd sacrifices his, his life for his sheep. A good shepherd sacrifices his life. He, he lays it down for the sheep. In the Old Testament, the sheep were sacrificed. Listen, this is so powerful. If, if you've nodded off, slap yourself in the face because this is worth the price of admission. This sentence is worth it right here. Hear me on this. In the Old Testament, the sheep were sacrificed for the shepherd. You understand that? For sin, sin had to be atoned temporarily is the best they could do. So they would grab the sheep. What would they do? Slit its throat. And he would bleed on the altar and die. He would be, the sheep would be sacrificed in order to satisfy the shepherd. In the New Testament, everything goes and flips. Now the shepherd will lay down his life, spilling his blood for the sheep. Yes, thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Because you know what? You don't want to be the one on the altar. Although we all deserve it, we are all sinners, and sin brings death. We were all headed towards punishment. And then Jesus stepped in. The good shepherd laid down his life and bled on the cross for you and for me so that we wouldn't have to so that we could take His righteousness in exchange for our sin, and He went to the cross. You see, Jesus wasn't tracked down and captured, drugged drugged back to the cross. No, Jesus said, no, no, no. I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down. No one takes it from me. I lay my life down. I have the right to pick it back up. I have the power to pick it back up. It was never the plan to capture Jesus and drag him to the cross. He went willingly so that he could die in your place. That was all part of the plan. In contrast, this, uh, the hirelings who only care for the sheep, while it benefits them financially and other ways, they'll stay until there's risk, and then off they run. These false teachers of today only want fame and fortune and to twist God's Word so much so that it is often unrecognizable when they proclaim it. They twist it so that they might grow their greed and their egos. Don't be fooled. A true shepherd, a true pastor will place the priority and welfare of the flock before himself. You need to hear that because they're growing in numbers out there. Be careful who you're listening to. Trait number one, a good shepherd sacrifices his sheep or his life for his sheep. Trait number two, a good shepherd knows 
all about his sheep. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, Jesus said. In the Greek, the word is not just gnosko, but it is a much broader word that not, is, not only is it an intellectual knowledge, but it is an intimate knowledge of each individual lamb. Jesus is saying, I know my sheep. In fact, I know each one. And here's how he knows us. He knows our name, he knows our nature, and he knows our needs. He knows our names. He, he says, I know them by name. He knows your name. He knows you better than you could ever know yourself. He knows your nature better than, than you could ever hope to know. And before you even realize you have a need, he's already there to provide for it. He knows your name, your nature, and your need. That's a good shepherd right there. That's the good shepherd. Psalm 23, all about the good shepherd, gives us a beautiful picture of the intimacy God wants us to know through knowing and heeding his voice. The good shepherd, we're told, leads us into good pastures, green pastures, and pure water. He is there on the mountaintops of life when we're celebrating something, but he is also there in the darkest valleys that you and I will ever know. And when we think we can't take another step, he restores our soul. Mm. Take heart, my friends. The good shepherd never leaves you. He will never forsake you. He is always with you. He is in front of you. He is behind you. He is over you. He is alongside of you. And when you can't walk, he's under you, carrying you to the next steps you'll take. Trait number one, a good shepherd sacrifices his life. He knows all about his sheep. And trait number three, the good shepherd gathers all his sheep together. That's what a good shepherd does. He, he takes them all and he puts them together. Verse 16, and other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. Now that's in the future, the way the, the, the conjunction here, all the words in the Greek, this is something he's, he's looking forward to doing. Uh, them I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus came for his father's people first. He came to the Jew first, and then the Greek or the Gentiles second. But make no mistake, his death and resurrection was for all after we come into the kingdom, we are one flock, one people. There's not a white church. There's not a black church. There's not a brown church. There, it's just the church, and it's Jesus' church. He's the good shepherd. We are his sheep. John 3.16 gives us this truth. For God so loved the world. He doesn't categorize people. He just loves the world. How did he love the world? Well, he loved them so much that he gave his one and only begotten son that whoever, I, line, I underline that, I, I circle that, and, and you women with 14 different colors of pen, you do whatever it is you do with that word, but make it stand out. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Listen, we may not be Jews, but we're whoever's. You're whoever. I'm looking at a room full of whoever's. God loves you. He sent his son for whoever would receive him. That he should not perish but have everlasting 
life. Trait number one, a good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. He knows all about his sheep. He gathers all his sheep together. And finally here, trait number four, a good shepherd is resurrected for his sheep. The good shepherd is resurrected for his sheep. When Jesus cried out on the cross, three words, it is finished. He laid down his life for you and for me. It was finished. The payment had been made in full that you and I owed had been made in full. He did not pay the price or he paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven. There's nothing, by the way, that you and I can bring to the table. We just accept the gift. A gift isn't a gift if we have to pay for it or we can do something. That's not a gift. So many religions say, if you'll do these three things or these 33 things, then you might get eternal life. But Jesus said, no, I've done it all. There's nothing you can do. What could a, what could a filthy rag like me bring to the table? I need Jesus and all of him. And we find all we need in him. Verse 19, therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Remember, Jesus said that he's a door. Remember that? That was the first one. He says, I am the door. What do doors do? Well, doors keep us inside safely, right? Doors also keep the bad ones outside. You're either inside with Jesus or you're outside. There's no riding the fence. There's no, well, I'm going to be a Christian, but, but then I want to go follow the world too. It doesn't work that way. Miserable existence to try to do both. You're either inside the door or you're outside the door. Word picture number one, Jesus as the door to salvation. And then we saw word picture number two, Jesus as the good shepherd. And now we're going to conclude with word picture number three, Jesus as the Son of God. Now it's important to know that some two and a half months, I think it's ten weeks, is, uh, it's put ten weeks, uh, has gone by between the events of verse uh, 21 and 22. Not really super important, but I want you to know this is not all one conversation. Jesus comes back to the temple now after 10 weeks. Verse 22, now it was the Feast of Dedication. Now what's the Feast of Dedication? Well, it's, mo it's modern day Hanukkah. It's, it's December. It's early winter. Jesus is back at the temple. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, which is just outside uh, where the main temple area is, the yard. It parallels the temple up on the Temple Mount. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Now, how many times has he told them he's the Christ? I mean, what are these? This guy's not listening, or they don't want to hear it, they don't want to believe it. The Pharisees had, had heard enough of Jesus' stories. He, they don't want to hear another parable. Just tell us if you're the Christ or not. Now they encircle him and force him to answer their demands. And boy, does he ever give a great answer to him, the ultimate answer. First we see here the confrontation. And then second we see his claim. Now he's going to clearly tell them 
who he is. And they are going to want to kill him. Verse 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But, do, but you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. See, he's not, they don't hear the shepherd's voice and follow him. They hear a shepherd's, a shepherd's voice, and they don't want to follow him. Because following him would require them to come under him. And they're, they're not going to have that. They want fame, fortune, and wealth. They, they're in it for the money. They're in it for, hey, I want to be the best Pharisee I can be. And Jesus calls him out, and that makes him angry. Jesus said, you, you don't know my voice. You're not my sheep. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, he says, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. When a person hears the gospel, they come to Christ for salvation. And then, after they choose Jesus, they discover that he has chosen them before the foundation of the world. What a beautiful marriage. You mean, we have a responsibility? Yes. But then, Jesus chose us from the foundation of the world? Yes. It's a marriage that I wish I could explain better. It's been argued for 1,500 years, and the argument still goes on. But it's a beautiful marriage that I can't explain. I see it as a marriage. I wish I could explain it the way I'd like to, but I can't. I just know that both are true. And what God has put together, let no man put to sunder. Let no man separate. The old marriage vow says, we're not going to pull them apart. To do so would be do harm to both. So we're going to leave them together. The fact that I can't explain it makes him God and me <laughs> a mere mortal man. It's not either or, but a marriage and a mystery, which is only known to the Father. So if he wanted me to know, no, he would have told us. But he didn't. In fact, I think in heaven it'll all make sense. We'll all laugh about it. It's probably not either one, or it's probably something, a third part that we don't understand. I'm not going to spend time. So many people want to call me and make you know, uh, plans to meet me and argue uh, Calvinism or, or Armenianism. And you know, I'm not here to try to figure this out. I'm here to tell people about Jesus and to share the gospel. You want to go into rooms and argue until you pass out? You go ahead. I don't have time for that. I don't think there's any merit in that. I really don't. Uh, because it, if it doesn't bring people to Christ, then I'm not going to spend time on it. You know, I've already made a decision in my mind. I think it's both. Now, you make your own decision. But then make the decision to share the gospel and make it preeminent wherever you go. Hmm. I ought to get some emails on this. <laughs> Let's move on. 29. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. So not only can you, they can't take us out of Jesus' hand, but you can't take them out of his Father's hand either, he says. What a beautiful truth. God saves us. He gives us salvation. And then he takes us, and he turns around, and he gives each one of us to his Son as a gift. Why? 
His son paid for us. We owe him everything. He shed his blood. He went to the cross. We're his. And God gives his son a beautiful gift, a saved soul. And no one can snatch us out of either one of their hands. What a precious promise we have in him. Verse 30, I and my father are one. (laughs) Pharisee's head just exploded when he made that statement. (laughs) Ah, He said it. Verse 31, then the the Jews took up stones again to stone him. (laughs) We got to kill him. Did you hear what he just said? And Jesus answered them. I love this. He's picking up stones to kill him. Jesus doesn't panic. He says, hmm, many good works I've shown you from my father. For which of the works do you stone me? That stopped him for a second. (laughs) Uh, The Jews answered him and saying, "Uh, for a good work, we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. Jesus said to them, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. Now, this is a little g in your Bible. Uh, It can be translated gods, but this is the same word for judges. If I called them judges, to whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I do not do the works of my Father, do not believe me. But if I do, though you do not believe me, believe my works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Now this blows them up again. Therefore they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. I think he just disappeared. And he went away again beyond the Jordan to the place where John was baptizing at first, and there he stayed. Then many came to him and said, John performed no sign, but all the things that John spoke about this man were true. And many believed in him there. How awesome. John the Baptist now has been dead for over a year at this point. And yet they're still quoting him going, remember, remember when we were at the river? Remember when he said, hey, this man's sandals, you know, I'm not worthy to untie. Remember, go after him. Don't, don't follow me. I must decrease. He must increase. Remember when he said, everything he said about Jesus is true. Everything. His, his words are still impacting lives at this point, some year and a half after he said them. And of course, 2,000 years later, we read them in, in the book of John and other gospels. How awesome that is. Jesus is the door. He is the door. The way, the way, the only way. There is no other way into salvation but through him. Jesus is the good shepherd. He wants you to come under him, and he wants you to follow him. He wants you to learn his voice so that it drowns out all the other garbage that's shouting through megaphones. He wants you to be able to discern his voice and to follow him. And then Jesus is the Son of God. He's the only way to our Heavenly Father in peace with him. Have you made him your Savior? Do you know his voice? Have you surrendered your life to him and made him your good shepherd? 
If not, why not? We have a saying here at the church. It's too dangerous to leave this building without Jesus. Tomorrow's not promised to anyone. Not a single one of us. Not a single one of us. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. Today, give your life to Christ. It's the greatest decision you will ever make in your entire life. I guarantee it. Once you know the shepherd's voice, once he begins to take you into the the peaceful pastures, once he begins to provide for you, once he gives you the meaning for life, you're going to wonder what kept you so long. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning. We love you because you loved us first and that you loved us so much we can't even comprehend it that you would give your one and only son to us to take our place on the cross, to shed his blood. The shepherd shedding his blood for the sheep is is just unfathomable to us. And yet we are grateful that that took place. We thank you for giving us righteousness when we didn't deserve it. We did nothing. We bring nothing to the table. Jesus brought it all to the table, and he paid the ultimate price for our sin. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ followers through obedience to His Word.